This is Mark with Plot Points Podcast. I'm sitting here uh, editing the final version or the final part of uh, the Alejandro Seri interview. It's fantastic. Um, we did talk a while, so I, I'm dropping this in two parts. This is part two. Uh, I'd also like to mention that the audio uh, wasn't the best on that podcast. Um, still a lot of things to learn about audio and uh, the situation, so um, I apologize for the quality. We will be back um, on a normal broadcast schedule uh, in a week or so uh, with a special guest. So I hope that you enjoy this final uh, segment on Alejandro Seri from Final Draft, a really terrific human being. Uh, and a very interesting uh, writer, producer, director, and uh, executive with Final Draft. So, uh, like I said, we'll be back to kind of a normal podcast in a couple weeks. But until then, be inspired, do good work. So, again, we're with uh, Alejandro Seri from Final Draft. Um, Alejandro has been a friend for uh, way too long. I'm tired of you. Uh, <laughs> No, he's actually, Final Draft has been extremely generous to see screenwriters too. Uh, we get, we get, uh, sponsorship from, uh, Final Draft for some of the, the copies we give away at our events. So I, I would like to thank you uh, a lot for that. Plus, uh, if you're, a, if you're, if you're a teacher, Alejandro does, um, you know, they do sponsor, uh, trial subscriptions for Final Draft for a, for a legitimate college, um, right? You do all that stuff. And, and we we have uh, some some free educational trials for students that uh, last. So we were talking a little uh, before the break about um, the Tagger and the software that does breakdowns and stuff, and also about your meeting uh, that you went to fully prepared. You just gave them the whole the whole idea of the uh, of the film and how to make it work and stuff. So where did that go, or where do you want to go with that? Well. Um, we did go in literally with the game plan. You know, we, we, that's really what we sold was the game plan rather if, than just the script. If they I had believe. given you $250,000, you would have been able to make that film yourself. A- absolutely. Although that really wasn't the goal there. I mean, we, we had prepared the film as if we were going to do it ourselves, mm-hmm. but we were aware that if we accomplished what we were trying to accomplish, that chances are they would simply buy the script and, and do it themselves. And we also knew that once they bought the script and once they were invested, that thing can grow. And right. God bless them if it does. Um, but it was just a way in and a way to get attention and, and, a, and a real way to prove that this could be a successful film. So when we went in, we were prepared with scheduling. We were prepared with budgeting. Um, we, we had creative uh, elements like storyboarding. Um, we also had a business plan. I mean, my, my partner, Johnny Silver, um, what he does is he prepares multimedia business plans for indie filmmakers, for indie producers wow. to then take to their investors. Oh, so shit. That's great. I mean, you know, he, he's the equivalent of the real estate agent that pulls comps on your house oh, before right. you sell it. Right. So he does the homework. He says, okay, you're doing a half a million dollar thriller. Okay. Let me go out there and pull some comps on similar types of films that were successful and by doing that analysis, he's able to put it all together and come up with a comprehensive business plan, uh, which should, if it's done correctly, convince anyone with money to invest in this project. Hmm. So we had that prepared also. So the idea of having all these elements prepared um, 
also, uh, once again, distribution and marketing plans, how to take this out to market um, to the target audience that we thought uh, it would serve. Um, we were able to to wow them. You know, they 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 took us serious as businessmen and became a business conversation versus mm-hmm. a desperation, uh, you know, plea to acknowledge my creativity and my right. my work of art. It was like, hey guys, let's let's do this. Let's make some money. Right. Let's, let's let's do something interesting. What here. a wonderful advantage that was. Now, have you done that subsequent to this? Are you still doing that when you go in? We, we, we really do. I think every project that we write, you know, the first questions that we ask ourselves is, you know, what market does this serve? How does it get out there? Is it feasible? Mm-hmm. Is, is this something that is practical? How do you determine, I mean, when you took your plan into this company, were, were you targeting that company with this genre? Uh, or was it, was it generic enough as a thriller to you could take it to anywhere? Well, a um, couple of things. As a thriller, um, you have a genre that could sell almost anywhere in the world. Okay. And it, it always has been and probably always will be, you know, one of the most commercial genres you could do. So writing a thriller is playing it pretty safe. Is that is that also because that works internationally as well as domestically? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you're not dependent on dialogue. You know, comedies don't always travel well because if they depend on verbal jokes, then you know things get lost in translation, etc. So you know, we we chose the right uh, genre. We we had you know a a budget level that you just really couldn't lose on. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no way to lose here. and then, yes, we did target companies that, you know, we knew made these kind of films just on a bigger scale. Um, where we ended up at, you know, as far as the actual sale of the script, that kind of came about, funny enough, in, in a total opposite way. But having all that material prepared is what closed the deal, I think, with these guys. Because that evolved from taking another script that I had written that was in one of the big big Hollywood screenwriting labs Mm -hmm. um, had applied there several times. It was going through the evaluation process. And one of the folks there, one of the producers involved there started reaching out um, because he really loved this project. Now this is a project that is very difficult to get made in Hollywood in in the States, but it's, it's really solid writing. It's probably my best screenplay. So it garnered his attention for that reason. That was not about business at all because he was reading something that he knew was almost impossible to get made in Hollywood. But he really liked the writing and uh, the project in the end didn't get into this particular program, but he kept in touch. He basically reached out and said, you know, I'm going to do for you what this program should have done for you. Um, I'm surprised it didn't get picked, but in in my opinion, it was the best one. So I'm going to help you. Um, and sure enough, a few months later, he reached out. He said, Hey, you know, I'm now in development at this company and, uh, we're looking for low budget thrillers. Now I know what I read. It was nothing like that. It was, <laughs> it was an international, uh, uh, drama, right. but do you happen to have it? And I was like, <laughs> do I happen to have it? <laughs> I just happen to have it. Let me tell you. Well, um, see, this is why you need a war chest, right? Cause you yes. never know. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, so by the time we got called in for that meeting, we had already practiced and honed our skills at pitching this because we had been through all those rounds of pitch meetings right. and, right. you know, great feedback from these executives that we had befriended. So we were super prepared for this meeting. 
Um, and we went in and we knew that we had a square peg for a square hole. Mm. Um, the budget was right. The material was good. And um, not just did our package make us look good the way it did at other places, but what happened is they were looking to find a project for a first-time director who came from the photography world. A very renowned photographer, uh, had a lot of young actor and actress friends, um, Mm -hmm. and they were obviously hoping that he could round some of those folks in. But they also knew he was green as a director, which could be kind of scary for a company to get behind. So when they saw our, our package being so logistically prepared, once again, we handed over the game plan. And, and I think that they saw a map that they could take a to way forward. An, an experienced director and kind of just follow these steps and you can't really go wrong. So I could I think probably even direct at that point, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I think that helped, you know, uh, once again, going in with all that experience and going through all those rounds and, and, and that sure, confidence sure. Um, really helped close the deal. So yeah, after that, things moved very, very, very quickly. Um, but uh, I, I think, you know, the one lesson from all that is, is to be prepared to take yourself serious um, and, and to think like a filmmaker. And that's one thing that I really, I wanted to touch upon today because uh, we were talking about maybe doing a podcast together and I had listened to one episode um, and I think your guests spent about 25% of that episode worrying about what screenwriting software they should use because oh. they were worried to, to, to invest in final draft thinking, well, what if I buy it today and 20 years later, I can't open that file. It was, well, it was, wait a minute. <laughs> Hopefully I said, you're full of shit. <laughs> you, you, you did, you did try to set the record straight, yeah, but, okay. but uh, you know, it was, what came to mind was like, wow, the, you know, these folks are on this podcast because obviously they have some experience, yet they still, you know, they, they fear their technology. That's what I walked away with. Like, mm. wow, they're afraid Interesting. of the one simple tool they need. And and that's one thing we, we can't be, I mean, you know, here you and I are sitting here. I'm sure you didn't go to school to become an audio engineer. No. You've got all this gear around <laughs> you. You're recording this one-man show. You're doing a great job. Thank you. Technology is, is a wonderful thing and you shouldn't fear it. You have to embrace it. You have to learn it, yeah. And I think a lot of times um, screenwriters don't always come from the production mm. um, career path. A, a lot of screenwriters either did not go to film school or if they did, maybe they focused just on writing. And different universities do things different ways mm-hmm. for sure. But there are some places where you study writing, you don't get to touch a camera ever. And maybe they don't even ever shoot your your script and you never are involved with film very very uh very eastern like very um uh martial arts because you don't get to do stuff until you until you understand the 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 impact on it yeah right and i think because of that um there there are writers that don't have as much production uh knowledge and experience and most filmmaking involves technology it goes Mm -hmm. hand in hand um screenwriting is the one area where really let's face it, all you need is screenwriting software. Ideally it's final draft because it's the industry standard, but beyond that, you don't really, you need a cell phone to take calls an email address, you know? Um, So I think folks like this need to appreciate that they are in the most affordable of all the crew positions. If they want to be writers, Um, you know, if you want to be a welder, you need to 
by the your, equipment, your yeah. tanks, your yeah. equipment, and know how to not blow yourself up <laughs> with them, right? And and the same thing goes for a writer. You know, you, you need a, a simple tool. You know, just learn it, invest in it. It's mm-hmm. not that much money. It's the only thing you need. And what happens is if you start sending things out that aren't properly formatted, because people could tell, they could tell what something's written on if right. they're experienced, because the producer, they said before, they're taking that final draft file, they're using it to break down schedule and budget. So if the page count and the formatting is incorrect because you use something else, they can't do their jobs accurately. So they know if you've used something else. Let me, let me tell you a quick story. One of um, my all, well, I shouldn't say all, 99.9% of my students use Final Draft. And uh, I have an ex- very experienced writing student who wasn't using Final Draft. And you could tell immediately that it was, for, I won't say which software product it was, but it wasn't Final Draft. And you could tell immediately it was wrong. Just the way that the pages were formatted, the margins, uh, the font uh, looked different. Final Draft has its own font, right? It's a yes. courier font. It just looked, after you read so many scripts, and this is the industry people you're talking about, they read scripts that are generated by Final Draft. So if they come across something that's not Final Draft, they're going to they're gonna notice it and they're going to think, well, why aren't they using Final Draft, right? Yeah. It, it immediately screams, you know, amateur hour. Right. But, you know, let, let me say something that, um, because people, you know, they're going to hear this and think I'm just being a, a Final Draft snob. You, and, and there's, you're, you're a show. <laughs> <laughs> there is a very good reason for this. Okay. Uh, you know, we are an industry standard. We're probably the only piece of software or hardware that is exclusively used by professionals. I don't think there's anything else on a film set where you cannot have another company's right. version of it. Different microphones, different cameras, We are an industry standard. The reason for it is simply, once again, it's what the producers do with that script file. If your script is not formatted correctly, doesn't paginate correctly, um, they cannot do their job because a producer, first thing they do, they can't do a budget without a schedule. The first thing you do to schedule is you ask yourself, how many pages am I shooting each day? If your page count is inaccurate, mm. if you sold them a hundred page script written in something else, and then they tell you the first thing they're going to tell you is, okay, put it into final draft. Right. Literally my deliverable in my contract when I sold the script was the FDX final draft file. <laughs> Literally. Like really? I did not hand over a hundred printed pages. I handed over the FDX. It was I think in I, my contract. I think that's been in my contract before too. That's because that's a standard that they need. They right? can't do their right. job. And it's their way of knowing, you know, if you sold them a low budget indie film that could be done in a hundred minutes, a hundred pages, and suddenly, you know, you didn't write it in final draft and they say, put it in final draft and you send it over and it's 120 pages. That's 20 extra oh, minutes. Yeah. You just added to that film. Well, even five pages is a, is a, is a deal breaker. Right? Yeah. I mean, those could be multi-million dollar pages. Absolutely. So it is very important. We did not invent this format. What we did is we basically digital digitally duplicated what used to come out of the typing pools, you know, in the 1920s and the thirties, you, you'd have entire buildings with, typists typing up handwritten notes into screenplays Mm. um you know at that point even back then filmmaking was already you know a little bit over 100 years old probably and over that time they realized what the typewritten page looks like that would give them a minute of screen time Mm -hmm. and they just tweaked the formatting in the fonts and everything until one page of properly written script would give them about one minute of screen time 
all Final Draft did was duplicate that. Mm -hmm. uh, and to this day, it, it still holds that. And that's why we're an industry standard. It's that simple. Well, the thing is, I and I've been through, you know, I've sold 30-some scripts and had 19 made. They need um, once the they need to lock the script at some point because those change those pages don't change or they you know you have A B pages you have uh, omitted scenes yeah. And, yeah and so you have to have a standard between that everybody can agree upon or you can't lock that script is that correct too that is correct and you know the standards in Hollywood I mean there's there's safety standards for how to conduct yourself on a set to not right. get electrocuted or killed well, fire marshals and, and I mean there are yeah. a lot of rules and and these aren't just random rules that somebody came up with right. this came out of over a hundred years of filmmaking trial and error um, these standards uh, once they're set they are set in concrete you know as creative and innovative as Hollywood could be it doesn't like to change these rules right. it's very slow to change the system of doing things and final draft is part of that system. So yes, there is, there is a whole system in place for handling changes, you know, the night before shooting revisions, right. omissions, new scenes. Well, it just that. makes it, they, they, what you're basically saying is they've made it into a very smooth operation that everybody understands from, from day one. So you're not relearning all, you know, and, and we're trying to figure out what they're trying to say, right? Exactly. You cannot have a crew show up on set not knowing what they're doing. Right. And, and you know, when it comes to the script, it's the blueprint. And any misinformation could really wreak havoc and cost you a lot of time. And time is money. Right. Time time is so Especially precious on, on a set. set. Oh, oh, my God. Yeah. So that's the system that Final Draft is part of. And, you know, we are now in an exciting time, as we said, you know, technology is doing some amazing things and it's very affordable. Now, with this transition into the digital age, everything is getting digitized. Like, I can't even remember the last time I printed a script on paper. Mm. Seriously. Yeah, it's been that's true. probably like 10 years, <laughs> but that's happening with everything. So, so as our world is getting more and more digitized, um, the screenwriter's role, I think, is going to become more important. I, I see the screenwriter in the near future merging onto that tech team and that crew mm -hmm. more than ever before. And that's because, you know, even this tool, Tagger, that I mentioned, you know, the way Tagger works is you are putting metadata into those words. And then when that file goes to another piece of software, that software instantly can identify these words. It knows that a gun, G-U-N, is a prop. and mm. belongs in the prop column. And wow. it needs to be rented for every day that these given scenes are being shot. All that information is being carried in that Final Draft FDX file wow. through metadata. And what's going to happen, what you're going to see in the next few years, is that the screenplay is going to be even more than ever a blueprint a digital blueprint to the making of the film because the whole film short of the actors and the crew members are it, all the elements are going to be digital. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be very important to apply metadata to all sorts of information. And I see the writer getting more involved in the technological aspect of filmmaking because of that. It makes a lot of sense. You're yeah. creating the blueprint. Right. So I, I kind of see a future where the screenwriter not just is responsible for creating an interesting story, but also for being part of the tagging of this information, because it's a lot to ask for somebody else to come along and read a hundred pages and tag everything. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of see, this is just my personal opinion, but I see a future where the writer's going to be more involved 
with uh, tagging with metadata their own words. When you're, when you're saying tagging, you're talking about tagging props and sound effects. So, so if, let's say uh, I write somebody, she screams. Does that get tagged? How does that, how does that get tagged? Is it, then they say screams as a, does that, is that a Foley kind of, Foley kind of thing or ADR? So yeah, if, if it's a description, if it's in a description, as you know, you know, when you're, when you're prepping a shooting script, you know, sound effects should be capitalized. capitalized right? And that's simply so we don't miss it as we are budgeting and right. prepping the script. So because we are no longer dealing with printed out paper, we're not, you know, we no longer have to see that capitalized word and highlight it with a yellow marker. We're dealing with it digitally. It needs to be tagged with metadata. So what Tagger does is it takes that word and it tags it as a, you know, sound effect or potential, sound issue. Potential sound effect. You have to, does it know, like if I say birds chirp, does it know that it's, um, I mean, this is maybe too granular for our audiences, but I'm just curious. So- it, it doesn't do it automatically. You, you still have to make the creative choice. And, and when I go to film schools and I talk to producing teachers, because we, we probably sell more of our, our software to producing teams and writers. Really? Because when you think about it, there's more people on right. a production team. Ideally, there's one writer on a film, but mm-hmm. how many people are in that producer's right. chambers? Right. That makes sense. So when I deal with producing teachers and, and, and we talk about this, they always say, well, you know, I, I make sure that my students know how to manually by hand break down a script. And I tell them Tagger still allows that to happen because you still have to make that choice. So you're still involved a human being, you know, the example of, you know, uh, a thousand white Buffalo come running over a hill. That may be one sentence, but that's a sentence that could cost millions of dollars. Well, right? Yeah, right. So you still need that human being to look at that and evaluate it. I have to, I'll just have to try it. We're going to, I'll try to put, does Tagger have an output that I could take, put into the show notes, like a digital output? Oh, oh yeah. You, you, okay. could, you could pull a report from it. Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll try to put some of that in the show notes or on the website, but uh, it sounds really like a great tool. That's the first I've heard of it. I mean, my typical experience is sell the script, they pay me for it, and then I walk away. I even rarely go to the sets anymore, but uh, that sounds fantastic. I, I know it would be of interest to some of my students who are doing their own independent projects. Um, a couple of them are stepping into their own films. Yep. Um, so that would be something that I definitely could bring to them. Yeah. Um, thanks for bringing that up. And, and that's the other aspect of what's going on, too. I think it's it's no longer enough to be a writer because the technology has brought the price of filmmaking down it's kind of expected if, if you want to cut your teeth in this business you need to make your film mm-hmm. so more and more you, you're, you are seeing writers roll up their sleeves and both produce in many cases also direct and uh, that will only empower you as a filmmaker uh, to be able to do so so yeah i i think uh more and more we're seeing the writers involved uh, and rolling up their sleeves and making films. And, and that's, that's a good thing. That's a healthy thing. Cause the right. more you understand about the filmmaking process, the more you could understand how to tweak that vision in your head mm. and make it feasible. Well, I mean, we just, uh, OC screenwriters just did an event with the uh, filmmakers from the movie, the gallows, mm-hmm. uh, Travis Clough and uh, Chris Laughing. And they basically, Chris was a student at the, I think it's the New York Academy of Film in Los Angeles. Is that what it's called? New York Film Academy. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, and Travis was, had a weird journey to film, but they basically did it in order to, because they don't consider themselves screenwriters. They figure, they think they're more filmmakers. And so when they went in, 
they went in thinking we're going to film this and maybe some like paranormal paranormal activity or or saw or some of those small budget films that then became franchises in Hughes. So that's it's a legitimate path for for screenwriters these days to take their own film, uh, find somebody who knows what they're doing directorial or producer wise, and then go on ahead and just do it yourself. Absolutely, especially if you have material, and, and that was the case with the project that uh, the, the screenplay that we sold. We we had a vision of this being a franchise like Saw that could be mm-hmm. built upon. Uh, of course, you know the the proof of concept was going to be the first film, and that's why we approached it like, well, we need to make this film. We need to make it for a nickel. But if you build it, they will come, and and there's a chance that this could continue. Um, why Why did you take it? I mean. I- pretty much know the answer to this, but why did you take it to the other, to a production company? I mean, was it, was that a bigger dream for you to, to, to be, be in a bigger production? Wouldn't you have more control over it if you guys did it yourself? Absolutely. But also with that comes a lot of responsibility and a lot of time investment, you know, distribution, finding that, 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 yeah. yeah, Uh, You know, a a film ends up being two years of your life. Mm. um, And I had a real job that I love. Well, you have a family too. And, so, and, yeah. you know, I wasn't looking to leave my job to do this, but you know, when I do things like this on the side, it, it supplements what I do it, as far as it makes me better mm-hmm. at my job because I'm a filmmaker mm-hmm. and yeah. working at my job makes me a better filmmaker. Each you side feeds right. each other. By the way, final draft, if you're listening, he was not, he was very serious about that, that he has a job that he loves. <laughs> <laughs> He didn't smile or, or like <laughs> hold his finger up or anything like that. He was, I've, that's one of the things I got to say. I mean, I've never heard, I've always heard that from you always, even when you and I are just talking shit between each other, you, you really do love working for final draft. It, yeah. it, it, it's enjoyable and, and it becomes a little bit of a balance. Um, it, funny enough, you know, I, I got into writing because I wanted to be a director. Mm-hmm. So, you know, oh, the initial idea was that, and, you know, everyone said, well, if you want to direct, you have to write, that great script and then you, you know you, you you blackmail them into letting you direct it or you, you won't sell it you, can, you know so that's 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 how I was brought up right uh, and that's why I started writing you know and of course you know 30 almost 40 scripts later yeah mm-hmm. I've done much more writing than directing um, and then you know the, the economy changed and and the indie film scene changed and it became harder and harder to raise money and or to direct a film. So I kind of left that uh, by the wayside and just continued writing. And then in the last few years, you know, once again, because of technology making filmmaking so affordable, it's really hard for me now to pitch a low budget script without people saying, well, well, you have to direct this, of course. And I say, uh, no, no, because you're not going to pay me enough. I'm not leaving my job. Um, and so it's it's ironic how it's all kind of twisted around. And I'm sure people out there are like, you're crazy. Like people are, are asking you to direct something. But, um, you know, I, I have a life now and well, what, I have bigger things. Yeah, the thing is, what, you, that are going on. what happens after the movie? You know, I mean, what happens while you're in post-production? You know, you're not earning any money on yeah. that. Yeah. You know how many, unfortunately, you know how many talented filmmakers I know that have made great films and, and the process of taking out their first film almost destroyed of them. Of course. Destroyed they, them financially at the very least, but, yeah. you know, emotionally, psychologically broke them. People move away. They just 
dump the film industry. It's a very common thing after your first film to just quit. <laughs> That's why I write. <laughs> Screw it. I can always, I can always, after I sell something, I can always write something else. So, yeah. That's, I so you know, I, I like staying on the writing side because, you know, it's, it's I agree. something I could do at my own pace when I have time. And if I don't have time, there's, you know, nobody there to pressure me. Mm -hmm. um, and I enjoy it. And even if, I, I write because I like to write. Yeah, Even if I don't fun. plan to sell something, I'll write things that I know will well, never sell. Just you must be like you must be a reader too. You must love to read. If you love to write, you love to read. I love, you love living in those worlds. I love to read great material. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> you you could learn a lot from bad material, but um, it it's really difficult well, sometimes. I have to go through. You know, if somebody did not respect you and they didn't respect themselves and prepare the material. Mm -hmm correctly before they bugged you to read it like they did everyone a disservice yeah it's including a, themselves yeah right? so, so um i'm sorry we we got a little off track there but you were talking about uh the film the the script writer becoming a filmmaker yes. more more engaged with the process more engaged with their career um we talked a little bit before the podcast about being responsible for your shit or, and I, that's not the way you put it, but whatever, whatever you said. So you want, can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Um, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I have a much cleaner mouth than you. So I don't, <laughs> not by I don't, much. I don't say things not, like that. Not on the air, at least. <laughs> this is my podcast. So F y'all. Um, no, I, I think, yeah, that the screenwriter needs to take some responsibility for, for themselves and their material and take themselves serious. Cause if they don't take themselves serious, nobody else will. Mm -hmm. So that goes across the board. You know, uh, like I just mentioned, there's nothing worse than having to read a poorly formatted or just a badly written script. You know, it, it, it's really, it's, it's torture. Yeah, it's it is. Torture. It's horrible. So have respect. If, you, if you're going to approach somebody, whether they're an executive or just a friend, you know, don't have people read things until things are ready. Right. That's probably the biggest lesson that new writers have to learn is yeah. don't give somebody something that isn't your absolute positive best work. But that's not your judgment. That has to be other people's judgment because yes. you're not the best judge of that. Now, ironically, the flip side of that is you could actually learn a lot from a badly written script. So be generous, pay it forward, read all your friends' bad scripts because no, you will learn a lot. No, we won't do that. <laughs> Did you ever read the article? I will not read your fucking script. <laughs> it was written by the guy who did. Uh, I took it personally, Mark. <laughs> I kept sending it to All you. All you could have done is just, you could have called me and said, look, I can't read this. I'm sorry. You had a, it's written right. by the guy who did the history of violence, and it's a wonderful article. I yeah. bring it out every semester. So, Yeah. So, so have respect for yourself. Have respect for people that you're dealing with. You know, prepare everything. And that means, you know, write it in the correct tool. Make sure it's formatted correctly. Make sure it's written as well as it can be um, take it all the way to the limit. And, and then once you've exhausted everything you have, then you turn to people for help. Yeah, but workshop it, right? Do some, do some or give it to friends and listen to what they have to say. You know, one of the best things you could do, and, and this was part of our process too. It started in my living room with just actor friends and, and, and it went all the way on another project to like a full blown sponsored finance table read Oh wow! Um, where we had like, 80 executives show up for this thing on You're kidding. And that was on a Lakers, you know, big Lakers game night and they oh. still showed up. Oh wow. Um table reads are amazing. They are amazing Absolutely. tools to help the writer hear how bad their script oh, can God. be at and, times. How, yeah. and how good it could be when it, you know, yeah. when it sings, it sings. I mean, there there's there's no worse moment in hearing an actor deliver a line 
and and you're like, oh boy, that is horrible. <laughs> How cheesy. Or that's not the way I wrote it, but that's the way it's that's being the way it's going to come across. Yeah, right. um, on the other side, there's nothing. I tell you, you know, the only thing better than this is sitting in a theater and watching the actual finished yeah. film. But the next best thing is to do a table read, have somebody read your work and to turn back and see people crying or laughing. Like if or you've actually struck you, emotional, giving you the thumbs up or something. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. that's, that's the high that we live for. Absolutely. So yeah, that's table it. reads are very helpful, but beyond that also, once again, roll up your sleeves, get involved with filmmaking. The more you understand about how a film is shot, um, you know, the, the time and financial limitations on a set, you know, the better of a writer you'll be. I mean, people read my scripts. The reason why when they read some of these scripts, they, they say, well, of course you're going to direct this, right? It's because I write it the way I would shoot it. Right. And people, people, I'm giving them the game plan, even if I'm not going to be the director, I give them something to read that they see in their heads. I'm, I'm directing it subtly. And I don't mean throw in shots. No, no, I, I'm a, there's exactly, an art form no, there absolutely. to doing that correctly. Just you, t if you, if you write it properly, they'll film it the way you saw it in your head. Right. Yeah. So, so you know, the more you know about shooting a film, the better you can be at writing the blueprint that works on the set. Mm -hmm. So that's very important. And also just, you know, for business reasons, you know, the more involved you are with the raising of the money and the making of the film and the marketing of the film, um, the better chance you have of protecting this thing. Because, mm -hmm. you know, otherwise, once you sell it, it's gone. It's, mm -hmm. It is. <laughs> yeah, right. You don't, have a, you don't have any control. And, and, you know, they won't come to you unless they feel something is wrong. Right. They certainly won't come to you and say, hey. What do you think about? Right. No. <laughs> You're not going to get a voice in that room, yeah. right? So, you know, it, it's important, you know, for all those reasons to get more involved. And simply, we are at a time where you could self-distribute, right? The internet, YouTube, Netflix, you know, there's a lot of different ways Every, to get a film out there. Everybody has a production company, right? There's so many venues for, for writers or for, yeah, for writers, for content. Yeah. So, you know, take advantage of that. And mm -hmm. the more you know about it, um, you know, the better you are prepared. It, it really, it, it's simply not enough to just be a writer anymore. Mm -hmm. it, it really isn't. So, yeah, well, maybe I'm, maybe I'm so old school. I can't conceive of doing, I mean, even breaking down a script sounds like a lot of work, but um, I hear what you're saying. So, um, so we're going to wrap up here pretty soon. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to cover while we're here? Um you know, once again, just, uh, I want people out there to, to get more involved, you know, in the writing, you know, don't fear technology, embrace it, you mm -hmm. know, don't say, I'm not going to buy this piece of software because I'm afraid it may not work 40 years oh, no, from now. No, I got, well, that That's was just silly. An, that an was excuse silly. of procrastination. Yeah. Um, well, I'm still, I was still using, I think I'm still using Final Draft 7 or 8 or something like that. You guys are up to 10, right? Yeah. I mean, it still works perfectly fine. So, you know, it, software, all software, uh, basically the, the limitation is always going to be the operating system. Right. You know, some, something that was built 20 years ago for that Not operating right. system work as can't well. always expect it to work 20 years later. So right. there comes a time where software does hit a wall and it's usually the limitations placed by Apple or Windows. Windows right. um, you know, we, we try to update our software, take it as far as it could go, even older versions, but eventually it hits a wall. Well, I have 10. I just haven't installed it yet. I've just been too busy to put it on, but I'm, I upgrade when I, whenever you guys release a new, which 
uh, you, you have a 11 that's coming out pretty, not pretty soon, but we're, we're in development. I mean, we honestly, you know, we release one version and probably the next day we're already beginning, <laughs> you know, the development of what's in a, in other words, our engineers are always working on right. what's next. Right. Um, so that's constantly in development. Um, the, the argument is what do I need 11 or 12 or 13 for when 10 works perfectly fine. But I think you would argue that there, you're also, you, you guys are always adding new features, new ability, new capabilities, new making it smoother, right? Well, the, the whole technology um, evolution and making filmmaking affordable, uh, that also applies uh, to software in, in general. And because things are much more feasible and people have higher expectations of software, software companies have to keep up and, and meet that expectation. So we're constantly developing things that are really um, way outside of the scope of what you would normally yeah, think would right. be in screenwriting software. I mean, they're, they're, I can't get into details, but there's a lot of exciting things that will be coming down the pipeline in the future just to keep up with technology and just to keep up with filmmaking yeah. as a whole, you know, so you can never rest on your laurels. You got to keep, evolving and right. keeping up with the times and, and we're certainly you know always on top of that absolutely yeah well and, and i gotta say gotta give a shout out to uh to our mutual friend um at final draft too who went with us to the newport beach film festival <laughs> the one year my boss scott yeah, yes scott he he was uh he was i didn't get a chance to talk to him at the at the event on in february but i at least got to shake his hand and say hello so my best to him and everybody at Final Draft. It's a uh, thank you. It, it is it is for me a resource. You, you kind of take it for granted, but it does exactly what you need it to do. I've never ever had um, it crash. It's never you know lost a script. It's never done any of that stuff that you do, you know typically see with new software or with new releases and stuff. So you guys do a great job with development, um, well, and also you. I know you're all over the country uh, and the world. Um, advocating for the educational part of uh, final draft, which I think is even more uh, admirable because you're on, you're at the level where the dreams are just becoming, just being formed. Uh, but you also, you also touch this level too, which people, you know, with at my level and, and, and otherwise. So it, it's, uh, it's been great. It's been a great ride. I've been quite fortunate uh, yeah, to, to be involved with the whole spectrum and, and, in different places I'm, I'm going to london oh wow in, in uh, september and i'm very excited about that and yeah it's it's great to see what people are doing how they're doing it around the world and and you know there are a lot of factors that that change the business of filmmaking mm -hmm. around the world mm -hmm. so it's great to be exposed to how different people are doing it and bring that home and see how that could help us here it's going to be great to hear about that so i look forward to talking to you about that maybe we'll have you back after after london and talk a little bit more about absolutely um so I mean, for Plot Points Podcast for OC Screenwriters, my, my enduring thanks to Alejandro Seri, um, who helps us in so many ways and just as a, just as a great, he's a great guy, by the way. I, I hate to admit that on, uh, <laughs> on the record. Thank you, Mark. But you're welcome. But, uh, it's been a, it's been a joy to know you up to this point and I look forward to, you know, many more years. Actually, I'd hope uh, one of these days you and I could get into trouble together as a as a writing team or a uh, producing team or something. You, you keep threatening that. That, <laughs> that might just happen one of these days. You never know. Well, we'll certainly cover it on the podcast if it does. 
Um, so you can, so Alejandro also does, um, uh, script doctoring, right? Yeah. You have worked with people when, when they need help on different stages, feedback, you know, hand holding out. Well, that's, va- that's invaluable. I mean, script doctoring or, or, or do you break down the script or do you, do you actually do a coverage or what do you do? You know, I do the whole spectrum, you know, at the lowest level, yes, feedback, you know, you, you, you can't fix what you don't know right. needs fixing. So that's always step one, you know, all the way up to ghostwriting and, and everything in wow, between. Okay. So, you know, it's not something that, uh, you know, I don't have a website. I don't pedal it on a day by day basis, but you know, I've done it. People approach me, um, well, I would, when they uh, need help and, and, you know, I've, I, I like to help, especially if it's an interesting project. Well, let me, I'm going to give, um, uh, I don't, Alejandro was going to give his email address, but I don't think that's a good idea. Let's, let's use contact at plotpoints.com. If you need to get in touch with Alejandro, you can go, you can go there. If he wants to release his uh, email address, I'll put it in the show notes, but we won't do it on the air here. Uh, but anyway, you can reach him through contact at plotpoints.com. And then uh, if he wants to get an email address for this, I'll put it in the show notes. But um, anyway, uh, it's been great. I thank you so much for driving down and, uh, and sitting. We're actually physically in a room together. I think this is like you said on the break. This is the most serious conversation you and I have ever had. I, it's like we're like, we're like talking like real people here. Yeah. It's like instead of well, I love the smell of film school in the morning. <laughs> I walked in. I'm like, okay, we're in my element. There you go. Yeah, yeah, we're in my classroom at Orange Coast College, which I'd also like to thank for the use of the room. Every third Wednesday of the month, we're doing events at a coffee shop in Costa Mesa. They're free networking events through OC Film and TV. And uh, we should have a, uh, uh, an event, a luncheon coming up in, uh, in August at some point. So, so for, um, for all of us at uh, plotpoints.com and uh, plotpoints podcast and ocscreenwriters.com and OC Film and Television, uh, this is a, a dead radio production of uh, our podcast. And my guest today was Alejandro Seri from Final Draft. Uh, I hope uh, you guys all enjoyed it as much as I did. I, I, I actually learned something today, which is bizarre because i thought i always knew it all right (laughs) (laughs) thank you mark all right alejandro thanks man appreciate it oh somebody just bing bonged